the illustration of the little stuffed animals in the bag, I want to tell you what it means so that you can tell your children about this later and talk to them about it. Life often puts us in a situation where we have to make choices based on the unknown. That's the bear versus the rabbit bag. Everything's concealed. You don't know what it is. Both of them are reasonable possibilities. You have to make a decision. And then we ask the kids to make a decision. If you think it's a bear, then line up here. If you think it's a rabbit, then line up here. Stand up. Make a decision. And I really felt for the rabbit kids because they stood up for something and it was wrong. But they made a decision. And yet that's what a lot of us as adults do all the time. You can go right over here to Choctaw, right over here to Pocola, and there are people making decisions that are wrong all the time, hoping that it turns out right, throwing tons of money into a machine that just generates a bunch of random shapes or numbers just so they can make more money. You, you can, it's easy, but that's, that's just one little example. There's so much in life that comes down to one or two or three or four choices, and we just don't know. Now, the point of the rhinoceros was, and yeah, maybe it was a pretty weak rhinoceros. Maybe, I admit, he didn't look a lot like a rhinoceros. But of all of the stuffed animals that I had to choose from, he was probably one of the best. There were some other things that I had to choose from. I, I don't even know what they were, okay? I mean, they were Pokemons and stuff and, and you know, kind of bootleg Pokemons. And, yeah, there were, there were stuffed viruses, and that seemed inappropriate uh, today. But it was a rhinoceros. We made it clear it was a rhinoceros. We shared the message that it was a rhinoceros. Hope and Alyssa told them it was a rhinoceros. And that's the way it is when we make a decision for Jesus. All they had to do with the rhinoceros was accept it. Just accept. I even showed them it's a rhinoceros. And they all accepted it. Yeah, you had a few skeptics. I mean, maybe they, you know, they, that's okay. I'm not faulting them. Hey, they may have bet on the rabbit and already been disappointed, you know, so it, forgive me if they're waiting a little while. I totally understand that. And I totally understand why people would wait sometimes with Jesus. It's like, I don't know, really, can I trust this? And the answer is you can. And you've got others that tell you that you can. You've got centuries of history. But too often we make the message about Jesus and the process of accepting Jesus, we make it too much like the bear and the rabbit. If I give my life to Jesus then, I mean, am I, am I going to be saved? Am I going to be redeemed? I don't know. Maybe. But if you don't play, I can guarantee you what your chances are. We can do better than that, church. Because Scripture does better than that. The witness of the church does better than that. Last week, we looked at the message of baptism. We, we uncovered the mystery of baptism in the book of Acts. And you see the confidence that the, that the preachers and the proclaimers and the early Christians had that the message in Jesus Christ was a hopeful message. And all people had to do was accept it. Today, I want to take you to the message of Paul to the Colossians and look at the work of baptism. If you have your hand out this morning, um, you have there Colossians 2, 6 through 15, and I'm going to read it. And there's a, the first blank there is, I'm asking you to circle the words beginning with the letter W. 
W is the letter. Today's lesson is brought to you by the letter W, okay? W for water, but that's not going to be one of the words. W. Now, this is so that we'll pay attention to the reading of the word. Go ahead and get every word that starts with a W as I read it. We'll come back and I can tell you right now the withs and the winds and the wheres and the whirs. Well, we're probably not going to pay much attention to them. But go ahead and notice it because it'll make you pay attention. Here's Colossians 2, 6 through 15. Therefore, as you have accepted Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted and growing in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. And plentiful in thanksgiving. Watch out that no one takes you captive through hollow philosophy and empty sham based on human traditions designed around the systems of this world rather than based on Christ. For in Christ the complete nature of deity dwells bodily and you have been made complete in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. Also in Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision not made by human hands, but by the removal of the sinful, fleshly nature in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in sinfulness and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he pardoned us from all our trespasses, erasing the records that stood against us with its requirements. He lifted it from us, nailing it to the cross. In all of this, he disarmed the powers and the authorities and shamed them, boldly triumphing over them. The first W that I wanted you to notice was the W in walk. Some of your other translations will say, live for Christ. The original word is walk. Walking is a metaphor for the way that we live. The way you walk is the way you conduct yourself. It's just like the expression that we say, your walk needs to match your talk. It's the way you live. Jesus puts it like this. He says, if you've heard my words, then you need to put them into practice. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he concludes by saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man. There's an additional W for you. That's the wise person who takes these words and puts them into practice. Hearing them is fine, but if you don't do something about it, then what does it count for? When I ask the youngsters, Do you think it's a bear or a rabbit? I ask them to make a commitment. Line up over here for rabbits. Line up over here for bears. Stand right here for rhinoceroses. I asked some kind of commitment. They had to accept it. They had to to walk it, not just talk it. And, And Paul's message is that when we're in Christ, when we accept Christ Jesus and the Lord and His teaching, then our walk is going to be a fruitful walk. Our walk is going to be just like a plant. We're going to be rooted. We're going to be growing. We're going to be established. And we're going to be bearing fruit. Uh, Your translation might say abounding or uh, plentiful in gratitude. That's, that's, That's okay. If you if your garden is doing well, then you're going to get a lot of produce. You're going to bear fruit. 
Here, the fruit that we bear is the gratitude that we have for what Jesus has done for us. You know, we often ask the question, what do I have to do to be saved? Well, first of all, you have to accept that Jesus is the one that saves you. He'll do the saving. You just have to accept it. And then I think the real question to be asking is, well, what do I do now that I accept Jesus has saved me? You walk in Christ and you bear the fruit of gratitude. That's what you do. So that our life and our conduct is firmly rooted in the one who teaches us how to live and teaches us how to really be the kind of people that please God. We don't have to walk along in life worried. Is it a bear or is it a rabbit? Is it this or is it that? Am I going to mess up or am I going to do better? We're so constantly worrying about failing, we don't know what it means to live in trust of Jesus Christ. But if we trust Him, if we've accepted Him, then He makes the path clear before us. We see Him and we follow Him right in His footsteps. The second W is the one that we really need to be watching out for. There's a warning word here. He tells us to keep watch. Watch out. Watch out that no one takes you captive. The watch word is the, word, is, is the warning to be careful. And I think that what takes us captive is fake fullness. Okay? <clears throat> now, fake fullness isn't some symbol that we're not really hungry and yet we're, we're not feeling it, but we really are malnourished. Fullness here comes up in this text. Fullness comes up uh, talking about the completeness of Christ. That he has the fullness or the complete nature of God within him in bodily form. Fullness is that which we are looking for in life. How many times is our, our problem is not just sinfulness, but our problem is the emptiness that comes from a life of sin. The emptiness and the worry and the concern that comes from a life without hope. And that leads us to an emptiness that doesn't even match the fullness of God. This world, though, wants to offer us something to take the place of the emptiness. This world has its own expectations or it has its own anxieties. I assure you we've learned this over the last year, but even before this last year, this was the case. There was always one more thing that you needed, one more thing you needed to buy, one more thing that you needed to do so that your life would be complete. Now that everything is opening up again, the promises of fulfillment are being offered to us. You finally get to take that vacation you were hoping for. You finally get to get, take that trip that will make everything perfect. You're finally going to get all of the things that you've been waiting for for so long, and you are just going to be so happy happy that you won't be able to stand it until we come along with the next thing that you need to be happy that's the way of the world that's how the basic systems of this world work Paul mentions that and for those of you who want the the ten dollar portion of this he talks he, he mentions the word is stoicheia the stoicheia that just means the systems, the way things work, the, the structures of this world. Everything has an order, an alphabet. 
is a stoicheia, because everything goes together. A table. And, and, and we want to crack the code on life. We want to crack the code on science. We want to understand everything. We want to understand how human systems work and family systems work, because we feel that if we're in control, then we will be fulfilled. The problem is those rules and regulations that make up the world, they're buying into a broken, defunct, obsolete system. A system that's going nowhere. A system that's going to fall apart. And so he's saying you're not going to find your fullness in that. You're going to find your fullness in the one who was filled completely with the full representation of the deity of God, right there in bodily form, then that would be Jesus Christ, both before his crucifixion and after his resurrection. But those broken systems take us captive. We don't even know it. We become obsessed with things. And when we become obsessed with things, we are taken captive. An obsession, obsessions are interesting. This word obsession comes from a Latin word that means to lay siege to a city, to blockade a coastline. How often do you feel trapped by the expectations of this world? How often do you feel sieged by the worries and the cares of this life? How often do we even turn following Jesus into something that instead of being rewarding, instead of being a fruitful walk filled with gratitude, it becomes something that we obsess over and we wonder, am I doing this wrong? Are we doing this wrong? Is this right? Is this wrong? And there's no joy. There's no gratitude in that. There's just an obsessive worry because we want to get it right. When we put ourselves into the situation of having to decide, of making the, 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 the million dollar bets or the bear and rabbit bets in this world, we get obsessed with being right. And that's how the broken systems of this world take us captive. Watch out for that. Watch out for that fake fullness. If, if you wonder, okay, well, how do we get out of that? Because now I'm worried, now I'm obsessed that we're been, we've been taken captive. Now, look to Jesus. Jesus is all you need. He is sufficient. This word here for fullness is all about sufficiency. It means that you don't need anything else. There's nothing else required but Jesus. We've, we have just, we've, we've had songs about this. We've sung praises about the, uh, the grace of God, the grace of Jesus. We can live that out and walk it too. We don't need these other powers and authorities that, that want to come along and attach themselves to the way of Jesus. So somebody like me would come along and tell you, you know, you need to follow Jesus. And you need a reliable guide, and that guide is me. And if you stick with me, and if you support me, and if you stay close to me, I'm going to make sure that you're always working with Jesus. Just trust me, I'm a good middleman. That's how people attach themselves to power and make themselves useful. These powers and authorities that he's talking about here, they're not just the worldly rulers of our governments or our churches. It's the powers, it's the forces, it's the things that try to compete with Christ and act like it's just as important. 
Watch out for that fake fullness that's being offered. And finally, just know that baptism is not an additional power or an authority. It's God's work. I get asked a lot, you know, I believe that Jesus is all I need, but if I'm baptized, am I denying that? If I'm baptized, am I denying that Jesus alone saves me? Because if I'm saved by His grace, then why do I have to be baptized? And I've had people ask me that question, and it's a legitimate question, and I'm going to tell you why. Because sometimes we've made baptism appear as if it is just such a requirement that it's Jesus plus baptism. It doesn't work that way. It's Jesus, and baptism is how we identify with him. Baptism is us taking that first step to walk in Jesus. Baptism is the initial step. It is the initiation. And Paul compares it to circumcision. Circumcision was the way that you were identified and marked as a member of the community of Israel. Now, it was just for males, obviously. It was a very intimate mark that had to do with uh, having children, had to do with lineage. We are children of Abraham and we're marked in the same way as Abraham. It was done when you were a child. When, if you were lucky, and, and if, it, you know, if there was no protest, if there was nothing that had to be made up for, for some it was an adult decision, but it was done early on. And so it was an initiation. Here, Paul's saying, look, they're trying to make that a requirement, and it's not. Baptism is an initiation into the life of Christ. If we accept Jesus, then obviously we're going to obey his teachings. Two weeks ago, we mentioned that Jesus was baptized. Two weeks ago, we mentioned that Jesus was baptized, and even though John the Baptist protested and said, you know, I, I really don't think this is quite correct. I think that you need to be baptizing me. Jesus said, no, this is the way we need to do it. I want to show what it means to be obedient to God. So when we are baptized, it's not our work that we're doing. It's God's work on us. Baptism is a procedure worked by God, just as circumcision was a procedure worked on someone else. But in baptism, what's removed is not flesh, but what's removed is the sinful nature. And the power of God is at work in this. You know, when we partake of the communion, and Lord willing, we're going to be studying some on that in the weeks ahead. But when we partake of the communion, it's not about me getting the eating and the drinking and the elements correct. It's about me remembering the one who set this meal up for me and called me to it and gave it meaning. Likewise, when we are baptized, we are baptized in the one who gives that immersion in water meaning. We are baptized into the life of the one who was raised from the grave. So the same power that raises Jesus from the dead, that's the same power then that's at work in us. It's not like a vaccine. You know, in a vaccine, you've got all your choices. You can get Moderna, Pfizer, get Johnson & Johnson, one and done, whatever else is out there. We're going to get new vaccines all the time. 
We say that they all work, but it's all a different kind of, uh, you know, chemistry blend and science and all that. With baptism, it's one power, God. It's the same power that raised him from the dead. It's the same power that's working in us. There's a unity. There's a oneness. There's a wholeness in baptism. Paul says it like this, we're buried and raised with Christ. If you ever wondered why baptism looks the way it looks, if you've ever wondered why baptism is, is done the way it's done, it's, it's the same with the Lord's Supper, which is symbolic. The bread is His body. The cup, the wine is His blood. The burial in the water, the raising out of the water, it's that connection with His burial and His resurrection. I suppose it could have been dirt, but that would have been rather difficult. God knows how to give us these gifts so that we can apply ourselves to them. There's also the idea of washing that comes along with it, where things are wiped away and cleaned. In fact, in this text, he says our records, the sinful judgment, those things that trap us, that obsess us, they're wiped away. Legally, you'll hear the term, the records were expunged. And that, you know, talk to your legal scholars about this, but the implication, as I understand it, is they're not just like taken care of, it's, they're erased as if they didn't exist. And that word expunged from Latin is the same idea as the word that Paul uses in Greek. It's wiped away. It's cleared away. It's erased. This idea of expunging the records, you can see God is doing that too. He's saying, I'm gonna, we're going to recreate you. We're going we're gonna to rebirth you. This was Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. So baptism is that first initial step in walking with Christ. It gives us a better fullness than anything that the world gives us. And we want to watch out that we accept no substitutes. And baptism is God's work on us. All we have to do again is accept it. And that word acceptance means that we receive, we accept Jesus as our Lord and our teacher. Let me make this real practical then because we've had three lessons on this. To be baptized, and I want to make this real clear so that you know this, so that you can tell others, so that you can think about it. You know, somebody might be asking today, somebody might be wondering, what does it take to be baptized then? Should I be baptized? Am I supposed to be baptized? And, 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 you know, do I need to be baptized? Again, that can become those questions that trap us. And I'm saying, to walk in Christ, baptism makes sense. It's all part of accepting Jesus Christ and His way of life. I know of no other way, and I see no other way in Scripture where you follow Jesus except you're baptized into Jesus. Last week we looked at all those stories in Acts. It wasn't a discussion of baptism that prompted people to be baptized. It was a discussion of Jesus and His way of life. And people said, I guess I need to be baptized. I need to accept Him. I need to let God do His work on me. Do you want to be set free from sinfulness and emptiness? Maybe one of those or both of those reaches out to you today. Maybe it's the sinfulness. Maybe it's the emptiness. Maybe you're wondering, what's the point of life? What, what is the meaning 
of life right now. Maybe you've been left cold by all the fake fullness that's out there. I'm going to tell you that in Jesus Christ, in baptism, you're going to find His fullness, that same power that was at work at Him is at work in you. Do you want to live now? Do you want to live forever with Jesus? This is the confidence that comes in baptism. So if you want to be baptized, I'm going to tell you, you know, usually we used to set up a time where we'd have a song here, and I guess the last song of the day could be that today. There's no reason it can't. But I know some of you may want to come up here, some of you may not. I want to take away all of these, I want to take away all of these burdens and barriers, all right? Quit worrying about the expectations of the world. If you feel that you're ready to be baptized, you need to tell someone today. On the back of this handout, why don't you write down a list of the people that you could talk to about it? A list of the people that you could contact. Maybe it is as simple as telling someone right here at the end of service today, yeah, I'm ready to be baptized. It's why we have a baptistry. We have a baptistry because we can do it here and now. I want you to understand it's not the only way. But again, it's less about the who, what, when, where, and why and about the who we're baptized into. And the acceptance of Jesus Christ and His way of life as the life, the only life of fullness. That's what it means. Some people ask, well, does that mean that Christianity is very exclusive? Yes, it is. And yet that's not judgmental, because here's the other side of it. It's very exclusive, but it's also very universal. Those who accept Jesus and accept His promises and His teaching are all welcome to be baptized. That's, that's pretty much how it works. And I want you to know that it is a life that abounds with gratitude. What we're going to do for the rest of our worship service today is we're going to sing. Cade's going to lead us around the communion, the Lord's Supper. That in itself is a remembrance, and it's a communion with Jesus Christ. But there's also another communion with Jesus Christ, and that's the communion in baptism, where we are buried with Him and we are raised with Him. If that's not part of your experience yet, then, then ask yourself, why not? You think about that, and then talk to somebody about that today, whether it's me, whether it's a friend, whether it's somebody right here in church, whether it's one of the shepherds. And if you're not quite ready, then let's talk about what it means to get ready. All questions will be received graciously and respectfully. I promise you that. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would be at work in us, that we will truly appreciate what it means to walk in Jesus Christ, to be obedient to Christ and Christ alone, so that we're not trapped and obsessed by the powers and the authorities of this world, so that we don't have to worry ourselves and concern ourselves with what's wrong with the world, with being right in the world, but we are simply content with obedience. 
Father, there are people today who are watching this, who are listening to this, who are here. And I pray that you would help them make decisions, that you would be present with them, that you would put reliable people in their path to help them with this. Father, we thank you for these things, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.